things are a little bit different this morning. And um, just for a brief moment, I'd love to share that story as to why that journey, um, Esther kind of uh, went into it a little bit. But at the beginning of this year, if you're with us on Vision Sunday, what did we say that this year was? We said this year is the year we go deeper. And it wasn't just a nice, cute slogan that looked good and sounded good and, you know, had, it was like, oh, that definition sounds cool. So that would be our theme for this year. Now, I, I really heard it in November last year that this is the year that we'd go deeper. And it's funny, actually, um, we told our senior pastors, Pastor Joel and Sharon, well, it was like, oh, we've heard from God, like next year, this was going to be. And now they just look at us, oh, get ready. It's going to be a roller coaster of a year. And I'm like, why? We're going deeper. It's going to be awesome. Like, the love of God. And, da, 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 da. and they're like, well, we did, we, you know, God called us to a season of deeper back in, you know, um, the noughts, the noughties of the 2000s. And, um, and they were like, it was, it was a wild year. It was up and down. You know, because when you go deeper, stuff comes to the surface, right? But equally, as you go deeper, you, you, you realize what, what the truth is and, and what lies you may have been believing. And as those lies, you actually have a moment, you have an opportunity. Do I deal with this or do I just stay here? And does that become your new surface? It's, it's actually this continual journey of working out how can I find, not really find, it's not the right word, but you know what I mean, find greater freedom in Christ. Because we're, we're saved. If you, if you love Jesus in this place, you're saved. But your, your freedom is, is up to you to do the work with God. The, the work's not on you as in the miracle. That's on God. But, but the work to be diligent, to cultivate a healthy heart and a healthy life, that, that, that's actually on you. God's not going to force that on you. And so the journey of deeper, it's, it's you arrive somewhere and then you're like, yes, freedom. And then there's a whole other freedom that you need to work through. But don't feel, don't feel burdened by that. Imagine what life's going to be like in 10 years' time where there's just a greater sense of freedom, 20 years' time. And, uh, you know, you're just going to be that elderly person rocking your chair and just able to minister to the generations below you. I think that's an amazing picture. Why deeper? Because there's so much more of God to know and encounter. There's so much more. God is not limited. And sometimes we think He is because of how we think, because of our human condition. Um, That's just the way that we perceive life. There's a beginning and there's an end. But to God, there's no beginning and end. He's just always been. And do you ever have those moments when you start thinking like that and you're like, how did this all begin? And then boom, your head, you're gone. You just, you're out. And it's like, I have those pretty often actually. I'm like, wow. So, and then you just realize my mortal mind can't comprehend this idea. It's something beyond me. There is a God who, who has always been and who always will be. And he's not distant. He loves you. He cares about you. There's so much more to not just know intellectually, but there's more intimacy to be had with God. And of course, we don't want to reject knowledge and go hard out in intimacy. More knowledge means more intimacy. More intimacy means more knowledge. And it's this balance of head and heart constantly as we go on this journey of deeper. It's a deeper revelation that leads to a deeper relationship in Christ. And we said at the beginning of this year, in order to go deeper, you have to leave the shore. You have to leave the surface and you have to leave what's comfortable in order to be fully immersed in that water. You know, I shared how I don't get people when they get to the beach that they tiptoe into the water and prolonging that experience of, of being cold. Just get in. Just get all in into the water. I just, I don't understand. Just run. Just run in. Get it over and done with, with f- for five seconds. And it's that same picture when it comes to going into the things of God. Don't tiptoe. Go all in on the things of God. Immerse yourself. 
in the goodness of who He is. And so we shared that in order to go deeper, there's a certain level that you have to leave what is known, what is comfortable. You have to leave what, what is solid. You have to leave the rock and, and sand and you have to be treading water. You have to leave what is uncomfortable in order to go deeper. And today is one of those trust moments. You're experiencing one of those trust moments um, because over the course of several re- weeks, as Esther was just sharing before, Esther and I have been really sensing and feeling God uh, lead us in, in how we lead this church to leave what is comfortable and not even just in a sense as pastors and leaders, but leave what's comfortable, what we've always known to be and, and have been raised in the house of God and to actually lean into what God is wanting to say to us today. And as you've sensed this presence of God this morning, that, that, that's the fruit of 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 that decision to leave what's comfortable and just go, you know what, we've got a word and we're just going to trust that God's going to do something amazing. Specifically, uh, He's told us to allow and to create more space for Him to move. Hello, Jordan. Good to see you. (laughs) And he. (laughs) And, um, you know, uh, a few weeks ago, as we were journeying, you know, like, gosh, like, what does that look like? Um, how could that be? How could we do this and that? How can we still honor people's time and da-da-da-da and, you know, all the things that you think about when you're wanting to make a change in your life and you start freaking out, you start stressing out, there's a fear associated. But the thing is, perfect love has no fear. And so every sense of fear has not come from God. It's actually it's either a lack of a sense of freedom in my life or it's something that's trying to actually distract me from the word that God's speaking to me. And uh, we went to a pastor's night. We're part of a great church planting movement called HarvestNet, which planted us out. And uh, we meet once a quarter just to catch up and, and be ministered to. You know, as pastors, as we minister, it's really important that we're ministered to as well. And on that night, I was in worship and I sensed God really strongly say to my heart these, these words, no structure. I was like, uh. <laughs> God, do you not know I have very... Uh, I have a few people who are very analytical in my church that need process and structure. In fact, I'm married to a very process-driven person. What do you mean by that? Everything has to be in order. Uh, No structure. People, this is God speaking to my heart. People are so used to the structure of going through the motions of a service that there is a lack of expectancy when my people gather. Let there be an expectancy because there is no plan or idea of what could happen. Have you ever um, been to a sporting game? We've just thought like, who knows what could happen today? We've been to an event. You're just like, I've actually got no idea. Or that person walks into the room and is like, oh, what could happen? You know, like just, you just have no idea. There's no predictability. And there's a sense of expectancy. There's a sense of what could and, and, and might happen. But, you know, um, I guess to be really blunt and, and black and white, this form of how a, a traditional Sunday gathering, a traditional Sunday service would flow, it just becomes so predictable, right? It's like the, the first fast song and then it's the, you know, the, the maybe the two and a half after that. And when you can even sense that that half's come in, it's like, okay, we're finishing in about 30 seconds. And expectancy just literally, it just drops. And then, you know, that person comes up and MCs and does all the announcements, da, da, da. And then someone comes to preach and the preacher's looking at the clock because he's wary of all of this and all that. And we've got to, we have to flow to this type of thing. Really sensing that God's telling us in this moment, just, just throw it out. 
and just trust and lean on me. Now, what I'm not saying is that we're just going to throw out the word and Esther and I and whoever comes is not going to come prepared with the word. That's laziness. That's, that's not what's going to happen. We're still going to be, we, um, actually, you know, Esther's like, but what about the word? All the time. And we love that. And uh, that's still obviously going to be in high place. But the thing is, we're not chasing the word. We're not chasing worship. We're chasing God. And whatever God wants to do in the morning will be what it will be. And I think that that's awesome. And I've been privately for many years of my life been, been waiting to be in a church that would do that. And now as I come to lead a church, I'm like, oh gosh, I've got to do this. I've got to make this happen. And so instead of pointing fingers, it's time to put uh, my hand to the plow. So I sense that in this time of worship. And then moments later, we were being ministered to by this, um, by this prophet. He's giving out all these prophetic words. And this guy's just, oh, just stupidly sharp. He's never met all these people before. One of, the, one of the pastors there, his name's Andrew Norman, and he doesn't know this guy's name. And he walks right up to him and he's like, what's your, what's your name? He says, Andrew. He's like, Andrew, I just feel this sense of Andrew Normal. Andrew Normal. His name's Andrew Norman. And we all just start laughing because Andrew Norman is just this normal guy. He really is. He's just kind of this normal guy. And he just begins to prophesy over him, just like, like you're not normal. God's called you to amazing, great things. He just starts crying. And, you know, because we all know each other really well, we're like, wow. Like, and all these words were just like off, off the actual chart. It's just crazy. And he comes to Esther and I, and we're one of the last ones. And uh, we'll share some, some of that stuff in the future. But one of the things that he shared was that uh, you're about to go into a season, uh, actually quite a significant shift. And you're going to do some things, and he was very choice in his words in this moment. He said, you're actually going to do some things that are, that are, that are going to um, um, pee some people off, is what he said. And, and, and you're going you're to shift some things. You're going to change some things. Remembering, I just sensed this in, in this time of worship. And he said a few things and he finished with, and he said, God has called your church to be liquid church, to be fluidic in its flow, to be a church that chases and senses the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so in the moment, we're like, yeah, let's go, let's go. And then we're like, but how? How are we going to do this? And so uh, in in obedience to what we're feeling like God's saying to us, we've, we've we've switched things up today so that we can actually have that time for God to move and for God to do amazing things. And I know I'm being real practical right now, but I really want to share our heart in this um, and explain it to you because also we don't want um, you to feel a sense of like, but, you know, what could happen? You know, I don't feel safe in that kind of environment. Or what if I've got lunch afterwards playing with my family? Because we want to honor that too. And so real briefly, praise is actually going to just bring up um, on the screen. This is kind of a very basic overview of what our mornings will uh, look like. We're trialing this for, for a season, and um, this is what it's going to look like. So we're actually going to, we, you know, you experienced this morning, we've actually taken the fellowship time and put it at the beginning because we so value that time. And when we were deciding, is it like, is it all Jesus and no food and no fellowship? Or, or can we do both? And we feel like we can do both, and we've given it a try today. And this time here now at, at, at 10.30, and we're, we're in this time, in this moment, we're not sure when worship will end or when the word will start and, and, and kind of vice versa because we really just want to allow God to speak and allow God to move. And um, I don't know about you, but, you know, when Esther kind of let us know that that's what we're going into, I could just sense expectancy rise in the room. It's just like, oh, we're not going through the, 
the things. And we're not going to finish with what a beautiful name today. It's just going to be what it is, whatever's going to happen. You know, like the golden oldie, Brooke Fraser comes into the room. Yeah, she's the one who wrote the song. So this is what it's going to look like. Um, we, we want to honor your time. And so at 11.40, we are going to softly close the service. If you do need to run off, that would traditionally be kind of where we would end, but then we'd go into a time to eat. But we are going to continue. We are going to continue to flow till 12 o'clock, uh, knowing also that we are still a set down pack up church. And so we want to honor our team and also um, get home at a reasonable time as well. So that's going to be the flow. And uh, we're just going to give it a go and kind of see what happens. And so because this is what we feel like, that's, that's the practical outworking, what we're feeling like God's saying to our hearts, to just allow ourselves to be open, to hear His voice and see what He could do. Um, I want to briefly teach on a practice that is crucial if we as a church are actually going to lean into this space. And it's the practice of waiting on God. And this morning I want to teach on how we wait on God. Psalm 37 verse 7 says this, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. The context of this psalm is a psalm of David crying out to God and, and, you know, literal war is breaking out and his enemy is getting over the top of him. But the encouragement is to not actually do something about that, but to just be still in the presence of God and wait on Him, and wait patiently, not for you to act, but for Him to act. Psalm 33 verse 20 says this, We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 130 verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in His Word, I put my hope. Talking about waiting and and lingering in the Word of God. In Psalm 27, um, Funnily enough, we actually sang this in the first song. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And, uh, you know, the sense of wait is riddled throughout the whole, from Genesis to Revelation. Revelation actually speaks about it a lot because people were, you know, not putting God first as their first love. And even though the Bible is clear that we are to wait on God, and it's something that we all know that we should not only do in a congregational moment, but as an individual, as we go about our lives Monday to Saturday, uh, we know we should be doing more of it, uh, yet uh, it's kind of probably up there on the list of things that we neglect, that we don't prioritize. And we can sometimes put in the too hard basket, waiting on God. It's a bit too hard. I'll put that in the too hard basket. Or tragically, we actually don't make time to wait on God because waiting on God takes time. It literally, you can't have it without time. And so why don't we, um, why don't we wait on God? And that's the question I want to answer. But just before I get to that, I want to explore what this word wait means. Um, and it actually has uh, quite a beautiful array of meanings. Now, if we go to the next slide, um, in the Old Testament, you're going to find these two words when you see the word wait. Um, kahul, to wait longingly, and kavor, to wait, look for, hope, expect, to wait or look eagerly for, to lie and wait for, to wait for or to linger for. And so when you read the Old Testament, um, this is what you're going to come upon. And so when you see the word wait, you can see it's not just a sense of waiting 
um, for a moment, but waiting for a period of time. But not just waiting um, particularly in a space, but you might be gone from that space and be waiting in your heart as well. This sense of trust, this sense of I'm waiting on God to, to do something, uh, to look eagerly for. To wait is also to seek as well. It's not just to be still and, and, and kind of like, all right, God, do your thing. To wait on God is for you to actually pragmatically seek God through your word, through prayer, through worship, and through various um, spiritual practices and, and disciplines. In the New Testament, you're going to find this word. That's called uh, meno, and it means to remain and abide. And if you know the John 15 uh, chapter, abide and mean I knew as fruit as the branch cannot bear fruit unless it remains connected to the vine. This is that word, meno, and it actually has three uh, meanings to it. It means to abide in a place. It means to abide in time. And it means to abide in a state or condition. Now, in some passages, it means all three. Some passages, it just means two. In some of them, it just means the specific one definition there. And so with all of these meanings from Old Testament to New Testament on what waiting on God means, um, I've kind of written a brief definition here. To wait on God is to remain in a place a time or a state with the expectation that God will move on your behalf, speak to you, move in or through you by placing your trust and hope in God until it happens. That's what waiting on God is. And the key is that last bit there. You cease waiting when you stop believing that God's going to do it. That's when you've stopped. (laughs) You're not waiting anymore. You've stopped waiting and and you've gone on to do something else. So to come back to my earlier question, why don't we wait on God? Three real quick reasons. Number one, because we can't be still. We can't be still. We don't like to sit still. Um, You know, sometimes when God calls us to wait, He calls us to wait in a place. And for some of us, maybe that's a workplace. You're like, God, I want to move on from here. And God's like, no, you need to stay in that place because I've called you in that place. I've called you to do this and that. Wait in this place. Don't, don't move on from it. Don't depart. I'm, I'm actually doing a greater work here than what you may think would look better if you actually went elsewhere. God's saying wait in a place or a space. Maybe it could even be um, in our personal time. God's saying wait here like physically here, wait in this space. It could even be in a church gathering uh, that you struggle to be still, that you struggle to settle your heart, that when we gather together, God's called you to be still in this literal place. And instead of being still, we're thinking about the place that we're going to next, or we're thinking about the place that we'd rather be. And rather than being present in the place that God's called us to be, we're wondering whether the grass is greener on the other side or we're wondering whether God is even here but when we're still and we're present if God has called us to a place then then God's going to be in that place and hear me now I know that God is everywhere but if he's moving in this space and you're not here you're not encountering what is happening in here God moves everywhere but he also moves in places and spaces And not just literally, if you're metaphorically not here, if you're here, but you're not here, 
you're not going to encounter what God is doing in here. And so it's not just being physically present in a place. It's being present in heart, in openness to see what God could do. You know, when Jesus told the disciples to wait for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, He said, don't leave Jerusalem until you've been filled with power. If they would have gone to Jericho, if they would have gone to Bethlehem, there would have been a direct disobedience of what God had said. That was the place that God wanted them to be, to be filled. Why? Because all other tribes of Jewish people were gathering in Jerusalem. And when they began to speak in other tongues, they were like, how do I hear my own language? People from Egypt, people from Syria, people from almost as far as as Greece had come back to Jerusalem and they were speaking their native tongue of that area. But these 120 disciples were speaking in tongues and they've never learned this language before. It was actually a demonstration of God. And that's actually the beginning of the spreading of the gospel as people pilgrimage to actually worship in the temple, worship Yahweh. They actually realized that Jesus was the true risen King and took that to the outer reaches of the world. God is not just moving in one nation anymore. He's moving throughout the whole earth. If they had been disobedient to that call to be in that place, they wouldn't have encountered what they needed to have encountered. Psalm 46 verse 10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. And so if we want to be a church that leans in to the presence of God and leans into what God is saying, my encouragement to you and in a sense my plea to you is this, to remain and stay and wait as long as you can. Because I truly believe that God's going to move in this place. I, I, I said God's already moved this morning in this place in Jesus' name. Second thing, second reason we don't wait on God is because we feel like it's a waste of time. We feel like it's a waste of time. One of the biggest enemies to our growth in God is misused time. Misused time. Distractions of entertainment, the pursuit of what our world calls success, And the hurry and hustle of our culture can lead us to not just think, but to actually believe that spending time in God's presence is a waste in comparison to what I could and should be, maybe what is maybe demanded on your life, doing. That because culture says that this is what success success is, I need to go and do this, I need to go and do that. But one of the most, if not the most successful thing that you could ever do is to wait and linger in God's presence. Because as you wait and linger in God's presence, you're going to be able to be more effective in whatever space God has called you to be. And I'm not just talking about your work. You will be a better husband and wife if you spend time in the presence of God. Because when you get to the end of your capacity and ability to love and be selfless, you need to meet the one who does not have a beginning and an end when it comes to selflessness and love. And as you draw that down, as you wait on God, you can actually go out and do that. One of the things they say uh, in, in, in a Christian marriage uh, seminar and space is that the most important thing to do in your marriage is not to spend time with your partner, but it's actually to spend time with God. Because when you encounter real love, you can actually love your partner properly. You can love your husband and your wife properly. And so the priority actually needs to shift that the most important thing that I need to do is wait on the presence of God. And, and waiting on God, is it, there's so many things. And, and I hope you know what I mean this morning. It's, it's waiting in worship. It's, it's reading the Word. It's lingering. It's lingering in prayer. It's creating time to be in God's presence. 
Why, why do we feel like it's a waste of time? Um, trust is one of those things, uh, and we're going to go into depth in that one in the next point. But the biggest reason when it comes to time, why we feel like it, it's a waste, a waste of time, is because we feel like we aren't seeing the results that we should be seeing, and then we're like, ah, it's a waste of time. Like I'm not, I'm praying the prayers, and I'm not seeing the prayer answered, or, or, or I'm reading my word and I'm getting nothing out of it. Because ah, it's a waste of time. Why? Because in our culture, if you're not getting results, it's a waste of time. If you're not performing, it's a waste of time. If you're not doing your tasks, you're going to get fired because you're a waste of my time and resource. Are you with me? But when it comes to God and when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's the other way around. It's got to be, God, I may not be sensing this. I may not be seeing direct results right now, but I trust this isn't a waste of my time, that this is going to prove to be fruitful in Jesus' name. God is a suddenly God. He is. But He's not a now God. You with me? Suddenly actually implies that there's been a length of time that we've been waiting for God to come. And then He comes. But now means now. Now means right now. And yes, God can move right now. But most of the time, it's a suddenly. It's when we least expect it. It's when we've been waiting And to be more honest, it's actually in His perfect timing that things take place in our life. Here's the truth. No time spent in the presence of God is wasted. I just want to speak to that lie right now. I want to rebuke that lie in the name of Jesus. No second, no minute, no hour, no day, no week, no month, no year spent in the presence of God is wasted. It's not. Don't come into that moment with a Western mind. Come with it in a kingdom mind that no moment, no minute is wasted in the presence of God. Psalm 25 verse 3 says says this, Indeed, none of those who wait expectantly for you will be ashamed. Those who turn away from what is right and deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. And so what this verse is trying to teach us, if we go out and work in our own strength, we will be ashamed because we will reach the end of ourselves. But if we wait on God, we will receive strength, strategy, ideas, things that we would never have received if we didn't prioritize the presence of God. Daniel 10, an amazing story. To cut it really short, Daniel's been praying and fasting for 21 days, seeking God. And he's in, uh, in at this moment, in the city of Babylon, not in Israel, not in Jerusalem. They're in exile, far from the plan that God had for the nation of Israel. And Daniel is one of those amazing heroes in the Old Testament. He commits himself to fast and pray for 21 days. And he sees nothing for 21 days. Nothing, no fruit. And then in verse 12, it says this. Then he said, an angel appeared to Daniel. Don't be afraid. Classic angel entrance. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and humble yourself before the Lord, your, your requests have been heard in heaven. And I've come in answer to your, to your prayer. Since the first day, not day five, not day 10, not even day 21. Since the first day, Daniel, since the moment you opened your mouth, heaven has been moving. I'm here to tell you today, the moment you pray about something, heaven hears and heaven's activated and God's timing is coming, but also we can actually contend and ask for God to move in a space. Don't think that you just have to wait for God's timing. You you can actually shift things 
God's actually given us that ability to do that in the name of Jesus, by the authority of Jesus, to see that thing shift. And that's a whole other message for another day. And actually goes on to say in the next verse, the angel was talking to Daniel and he's like, I've, I've actually been fighting for you in the unseen for 21 days and I've just had victory. And now I've come to let you know that thing's gonna shift that you've been believing for and praying for. As we lean in in this new day of waiting on God in this house, I wanna encourage you, don't believe the lie that when we come together on a Sunday gathering or when you go home to spend time with God that this moment is wasted. I could be doing better things. There is no better thing that you could be doing than spending time in the presence of God. It is going to enrich not just your walk with God, but every part of your life as you begin to hear heaven's heart and perspective for whatever you're doing in this season, wherever God's got you. And the last thing is this. The last reason we don't wait on God is because we like to be in control. We like to be in control. Waiting can be a pain when you want an answer and you're not getting it or heartbreaking when you feel like God isn't listening to you. But here's the thing. You can't wait on God until you release control. And that's trust. Putting your trust in God. And you can write this down. If you haven't released control, you're not waiting on God. He's waiting on you. So you might be waiting on God with control, but you're not waiting on Him. He's waiting on you to release that control. It's when you release that control that God's like, got it, here we go. It's when you begin to trust Him beyond your understanding, beyond, it's that trust that says, God, I don't fully know you yet. I will never fully know you, ever. I'm gonna trust you in this. And God's like, that's it, that's the one. Here we go, they've released control. It's not until you fully surrender your life to God that you will encounter the fullness of who He is. And our greatest example of this is Jesus. He showed us how to wait on God. In the final hours of His life, fearful of what was about to come next, He put Himself in a place, the Mount of Olives, and spent time, several hours in prayer waiting on God. And after waiting on God, he let go of control and he put his trust in his Father and he prayed those famous words, not my will be done, but your will be done. Jesus came to live a life of example for us and he showed us what it truly means to wait on God. And so as the band comes up this morning, I wanna encourage you in this place that in this season, it's time for us to build our endurance to wait on God. Because when we wait on God, heaven's perspective is realized. When we wait on God, we actually are enabled to not make mistakes before we make those mistakes because we, we hear revelation from God and we don't say something that we should have said. In, in lash of anger, we're like, wait, no, no, I should hold my tongue because I'm waiting on God and now I'm, I'm all holy and lovely. I'm like, I'm, I'm a greater person. When we wait on God, there's a reward, Hebrews says, for those who diligently seek Him. When waiting on God, we receive rest, Psalm 62 verse 1 says. Waiting on God gives us fresh strength, Isaiah 40 says. And waiting on God grows us in knowledge and in understanding. But ultimately, ultimately, waiting on God's greatest purpose is that it transforms us to become more like Christ. And it is essential if you want to be transformed in your heart and in your life to become more like Christ, that you wait on God. So today as we stand to our feet, whether you're in a valley or on a mountaintop, it's time to wait on God. 
whether you're young or whether you're old, it's time to wait on God. Samuel, young prophet, says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Simeon and Anna, way aged in their years, God promised them that they would see the Messiah before he came. And they spent time waiting in the temple of God. I want to encourage you today, whether you feel like you're in the will of God for your life or not, it's time to wait on God. So Father, as we just lean into this moment and wait on your presence, Father, I pray that you would speak and show us, God, what you want to do and what you can do when we wait on you. Father, I thank you for the promise that comes when we wait on you. That God, we receive fresh instruction, fresh vision, that our heart changes, that we're molded and we're shaped and we're changed to become more and more like your son. And God, that's our goal, that's our pursuit. And so Father, in this moment, we choose to wait on you. And Father, as we go into our week, Lord, I pray we would prioritize and make moments to wait on you. God, that we wouldn't feel like it's a waste of time God, I pray we would find a space and a place to seek you. And Lord, that we would continually offer up our control and let go and lean in and trust that you are who you say you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.